Welcome everyone to the Miss Art World podcast. I'm your host, Catherine, with my co-host, Samuel. What up, Art World? Really, really excited uh, to have our guest today, Heather Sinkavage, who is an interdisciplinary artist whose practice is rooted in performance art, but also includes drawing, sculpture, and installation. She uses her own experience with intimate partner violence as a case study analyzing what it is to live with trauma. Her work has appeared in Tate Modern London and across Europe. She's also performed for Queen's Museum. Uh, what really interests me was you performed for Performances Alive in Miami, which I I did, I think, two years ago. And I was like, yeah, I think I, I, I recall that you were there. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> I never met you, though. So, yeah, <laughs> you were I think uh, when I was looking at your resume, it was like 2018 you were there. Yeah, yeah. But you've had 40 solo and group exhibits across the U.S. Um, in Germany, Sweden, Spain, Finland and Iceland. You've just been all over the place. Um, you have your BFA from Tyler School of Art, um, and then your MFA from the School of Art, uh, University of Washington, Seattle. Um, and you also are uh, currently teaching? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, a professor at Wilkes University, and I'm also the director and curator of the Sordoni Art Gallery, which is part of Wilkes University. Those hybrid positions, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Better. <laughs> No, that's fascinating. It's cool. It's interesting to be an artist as well as a gallery director because you kind of get both sides. Of I know. It's so true. And I actually never really realized how creative it um, curating is. Uh, and it's really fun. You know, I, I, you know, started just sort of making up my own opportunities where I was like curating things in like storefronts and stuff like that, like making exhibitions in on like streets. And, and then at my last position at University of Maine, um, I, I had the opportunity to take over that gallery and really started to formalize like, you know, what I do uh, as far as like a gallery director. But then as I had more opportunities to curate and, um, you know, like kind of storytell through other people's work, it was like really, really fun. It was really fulfilling. I, I didn't realize how fulfilling it would be. That's really interesting. Um, so you have, I kind of want to talk to you more about the overall approach to your work and then really get into a few of your performances. Can you kind of share what has, I don't want to say inspired it because it's kind of a heavier, um, heavier inspiration for an for your art, but um, I think it's so important to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had, um, I guess, throughout my graduate school years, I was in a in a relationship that was both emotionally and physically abusive, and um, it culminated into a, a really, I guess awful thing uh, in the end that after I left um, he had uh, attacked me assaulted me and, um, and then stalked me after the fact and th now this is like about 20 years ago so it's been some time um, and 
I never really thought it would be a fuel for my work. Um, I thought maybe it could be, I think in the stuff that I was making earlier, um, like after that, I was sort of like figuring things out, but I never really was directly addressing what happened to me. Um, until many, many years later, uh, I was learning more about the ramifications of abuse. And I, I never, I never ever imagined that, um, years later that I would still be contending with it. Um, you know, I, I did have, you know, go through therapy. I, I had a really supportive, um, network with my family and, um, later my part, my partner who I'm with now. Um, so like, I, I thought I resolved it, but then never imagined that, you know, that it would impact my health. Uh, and I, you know, I have, I contend with a lot of illness, um, that can be traced back to like what abuse does to a person, which essentially, um, and I never, I never knew this, you know, like uh, as it was happening, I, but I realized that, or, or what I came to understand was that abuse, um, changes your physiology. It, it, um, impacts how your, your response. Uh, your stress responses and it tries new pathways. And now um, how you respond to stress, um, it could be rather minor, but your body is reacting as if you were being chased by a tiger, you know, and that ended up, you know, creating a lot of like issues. Uh, so I would, I was once like really, really, you know, like athletic and, you know, um, you know, active and then it was just like out of the blue, um, I was just starting to just have so many issues. And I was like, what is this? And then finally, it was sort of threading the two together as I understand, stood a little bit more. Um, I, I, I found that, you know, because of that HPA access was changed. And therefore, now my body was changing in response to that too. And so now as I'm creating work, I am directly responding to the abuse, um, but I am responding to it in a way, not in reperforming it and what, what happened to me, because I think we all uh, know that hurting someone is bad, right? Like, you know, we're, we're in this uh, Me Too age. We know that this happens with women. Um, so I think we can all understand the direct effects, but I, I think uh, there is better understanding to be made as the lasting effects. Um, so uh, what happens in the body? What happens in interpersonal relationships? What happens with um, uh, even just like professional advancement, finances? Like, I mean, my my situation left me like on welfare and living with my parents and with, you know, losing an awful lot of, you know, friends and, you know, taking a very long time to advance in my career. And um, that, you know, I, I have a little, little forgiveness for, you know, like I, it, it makes me pretty angry <laughs> that, that, that it impacted me to this extent. And I think that's something that people do need to recognize with uh, many women across the world who experience IPV. IPV. And you talked about it kind of changing your art a little bit what was the big change that you saw in your art and like i'm assuming it it changed when the incident happened and then now it's kind of evolved into you telling it not what happened right then but you said like the long lasting effects or like the echoes of that event right. so like can you talk about that yeah, that's a great question um so uh, I was in graduate school in a metal design program. 
so I was uh, working uh, more sculptural and installation based at that time, um, involving metal smithing techniques, fiber techniques, and, and things like that. I was also drawing upon existing mythologies that um, talked about um, gender identity. Um, so I was really making like still objects and still spaces really at that point. Um, so um, over the years, uh, I then started to kind of create, like integrate like a like a photo into the work um, as I was kind of building structures and things like that. Um, but still kind of now like in, in I guess inventing my own mythologies um, as I was sort of rebuilding who I am. Uh, and um, it was only maybe, hmm, maybe about seven or eight years ago where when I was living, like I lived in the middle of nowhere, Maine, like I was very isolated. <laughs> I had this house that, um, I, you know, like it's, I had this house that I, I would go home after I teach every day and I would just like do things in my house and like document them. And I started to like almost do these little performances for myself. And, um, and I had a friend who uh, I was sort of sharing them with and he was like, um, I don't know, I think you should like do them like in public. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I started to, that's when I started to really kind of take performance as part of my practice seriously. And then really then committed like that, this is going to be the thing. I felt like once I owned, um, that I am responding to, you know, violence, uh, and abuse, uh, I, I felt like it could not be in still environments and still images that I was creating. It had to be active because mm -hmm. I'm actively evolving now. So it just performance really became the way to more authentically talk about the experience. Okay. So, yeah, do you still do any, do you still do any work in uh, like metal work? Uh, not so much anymore. Um, I tend to just work. I, 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 the, the cool thing is, is that, um, I feel like I, I'm very open to working in whatever feels right. Um, uh, I, I'm comfortable in a lot of different mediums. Um, I think that came from my grandmother who could kind of do anything and mm -hmm. there was a fear to it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I like I make things for performances. So, you know, that's still making is part of it, but it's not central to it. So It's crazy how many um, artists that do like especially when they get into performances, they've done almost like every art, <laughs> every <laughs> form so of art. <laughs> they so painted, true. they drew, they, uh, <laughs> they sculpted, and now they do performance. And who, who knows, in like 10 years, they'll go back and maybe yeah, redo know, the whole right? cycle. <laughs> God, I hear you. Because, uh, you know, I think that's the great thing about performance, to be honest with you, because it's housed in so many things that allows you to be flexible. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I feel like too, um, it's very like anti-establishment, you know, like it's not being regulated in museums and institutions so much, like it's happening in places that aren't always in those white box spaces. Um, it has that flexibility and that flexibility has a lot to say about the storytelling that you're doing. And that's pretty exciting, you know, like. It's I also great. think with uh, performance, it's because like when you look at a picture it's like the everyone kind of comes up with the same idea behind it maybe someone will have something different but with performance there's people that you know get it right away or have a completely different take from it just because they're looking at it from a different angle 
literally. So they're not all standing at the same area staring at the picture. There's some are looking from behind and it spoke to them way differently than they it's would. So, yeah, that's so true because I mean, even kind of think about that just in life experience and how um, like even just as I was experiencing what I was experiencing, it was, you know, there's the first person and then the, the, everyone else around you, you know, mm -hmm. when, um, when this was all happening and it, it's very subtle and nuanced and I didn't necessarily, uh, I guess, see that it was abusive at first, um, which is really messed up. Um, but as it starts to unfold and I realized that I'm in a, in a, I'm in a situation where I need some help. Um, I asked, for some help from some close friends. I was living, you know, across the country at that point. My family wasn't here, you know, people I've known forever weren't there. Um, so I'd asked for some help with some, you know, friends and um, because they also knew my partner at the time, they, I wasn't, I wasn't believed. They were like, there's no way that I, that he could possibly be doing this to you. He is a really nice guy. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Right. He seems it, you know, <laughs> but he's also totally gaslighting everyone, you know, um, and that's like, that's, that's something like, you know, so in talking about experiencing a performance from several different sides, I think we all experience our life from several different sides and a person's experience and how we observe it from the outside has so much to say about how we understand it and then carry it forward as well. So, um, mm -hmm. I think performance is such an accurate way to talk about some of these experiences at, you know, life experience, even outside of abuse. <laughs> It's crazy to think that uh, people wouldn't believe someone saying like, this is happening to me because it's, even if it's like, say it's not a hundred percent true, mm -hmm. it's still how that person feels from that moment that happened. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's weird to think that, you know, it was a lot more accepted to just go, nope, you know, I don't believe you kind of deal with it. Right. Right. On your right. own. Uh, just to touch on that, when I was reading about your monstrous and terrible mm -hmm. uh, to behold, that you were talking about how you went to see a doctor and you were talking about how maybe the abuse and the medical issues that you were experiencing relate. And you were saying that the doctor was like, no, they're not related at all. Mm -hmm. And you had to go in and do your own research. And it blows my mind that the doctor like totally dismissed you like, no, no, this is different. <laughs> Right. And, and that's something that's like absolutely unreal to me. Um, a really great book that talks a lot about this is um, by Maya Dusenberry. Um, I don't remember the title, but it's by Maya Dusenberry. And it's talking about how um, the, the medical industry like really is, you know, completely biased. It's completely, you know, patriarchally patriarchy based and white supremacy based you know like you know basically we are uh, doctors are educated to treat white heterosexual men you know um and and even though and even you know like female doctors or whatever are being educated as well many doctors are not even recognizing that they are being educated this way and therefore disseminating, you know, uh, advice and care this way as well. Uh, so it's completely unreal when I started to really understand how skewed everything is, you know, in our world, even how we care for people. 
you would think, you know, it would be, you know, empathy across the board, but how we care for people is seriously based in the patriarchy. It's unbelievable to me. So I want to get into um, your inescapable presence uh, performance piece, which you did in 2022, over three days uh, for Art in Odd Places, which we had, I think, this last year's curator for them on our podcast a few uh, a few months ago, uh, Samuel Jessica Blinkhorn. Um, I would love to hear from you um, the inspiration, kind of how the three days were broken up and that sure. process. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it really, you know, like I have the performance and then I have like the preparation for the, for the performance and, um, the piece itself, uh, a big part of it was, um, a garment that was created for it. And, um, it was a, it was made from like granny squares <laughs> that women from, you know, across the country into the UK, Canada and all that sort of stuff contributed to. Um, so uh, the, the beginning of it, I really thought about as um, like sewing circles and how those are actually places for empowerment. Because if we kind of think a little bit about um, lived experiences and historically lived experiences for women, they typically have been within a home, which, you know, obviously we've grown a lot from that now, but there is still like this idea of bringing, of coming together and creating community with one another. And like I said, historically that has been in his uh, sewing circles. Sewing circles are created um, in often in response to like a cause, like something to contribute to like a higher thing outside of your own experience. It is bringing people together in order to support others. So um, the, I thought that was just incredibly interesting because of um, abuse being sort of experienced by on your own for the most, it's very isolating. You know, I, I was pretty young, so I didn't have like kids or anything like else that was, it was impacting, but you know, for many women, this is a very isolated experience. And um, the thought about um, me then really needing to develop a community for myself and a community of support and in a community to create awareness that um, abuse needs this kind of support. I thought the sewing circle was super important. So I did a call for artists uh, or not artists, just people who wanted to, because, <laughs> you know, really, you know, crocheting, knitting, all these sort of things are some, something that anybody can really do. And if you don't know how, you can certainly learn it uh, mm -hmm. either from someone else or YouTube, you know, tutorials and all that sort of stuff. So I had um, people, uh, you know, respond saying they wanted to contribute and, um, and I never expected to the, I mean, I had about what, 22, 25 people that ended up contributing. Um, some I had never met before. Um, some I had known, but never known that they were in an abusive relationship or had experienced abuse before. And uh, many just really wanted to just kind of be a part of it. So um, I created this garment that was um, about 1800, you know, squares and really um, the, I, I like kind of thinking about like weights and things like that when I'm creating, but this was really, I wanted to have like a mass of 
of contributions for it. So it ended up stretching about 50 feet back, 50 feet wide when it was outstretched. And, um, and the bulk of it was built around my neck, um, on top of my shoulders going up, you know, to almost, to basically my eye eyesight. Uh, so maneuvering in it was difficult. You know, there was, um, you know, I couldn't really see, uh, it was heavy, you know, to kind of move. And, um, and that was meant to kind of talk a little bit about the somatics of um, abuse. Uh, so now as part of my lived experience, um, I have, I have, you know, 18, I'm sorry, not 18, <laughs> six autoimmune uh, <laughs> diseases that I contend with. I'm a, a cancer survivor, which I can't say abuse caused, but someone with abuse uh, has a disposition for illness evolving into cancer. Um, so anyway, so we have all these things that, um, that now my lived experience really impacts me in my body. And, um, you know, I may not look sick. I may not look like I, uh, that I'm struggling, but I have to work really hard to look that way. And I have to work really hard to sound coherent, to not seem exhausted, to like, you know, walk across campus when I need to, you know, all those things are, you know, are a little bit more of a burden than it is for most. And um, so I wanted to make a visual representation of that um, in the creation of the garment. Uh, and so I wanted the weight, I wanted it to be cumbersome. I wanted to tangle in it. I wanted, you know, like I wanted it to show that difficulty. Um, so uh, the other thing about that was that I piled a lot of it around my neck because when I was assaulted, I was strangled. And when I um, had cancer, it was at my thyroid. So both of my life threatening incidences were around my neck. So I felt as though I needed to show like that, how that is one of my most vulnerable areas. Um, okay. So <laughs> I know I feel like I'm going on. No, no, this is great. Okay. So day one, uh, was talking about like the call for help. Uh, so I was located down at the Hudson river greenway. Um, so very public area, very much like a place where people like relax and walk and jog and bike ride and sightsee because it's like it has some cool, you know, stuff there, you know, a lot of tourists. So I, I, I was there and what I what I did that day was to ask for help. And this was, again, sort of responding to at the end you know, where I really needed to help to get myself out of my situation. So it was a lot of like tangling in the garment, um, reaching for people. Um, and then I also, um, throughout the three days would use Morse code, um, and Mo Morse code, just, you know, tapping SOS, you know, mm -hmm. and there I was making a mark on my forehead because it was like, kind of like the only thing you could see at that point. So I was making a mark on my forehead in SOS. So, Morse code has, has a bit of a significance as well. Um, if we think about when we create a terminology and recognition about victims of violence and not just, you know, intimate partner violence, but really PTSD was a term that was developed for um, victims of war, victims of, you know, natural disasters, things like that. And then later it was recognized that um, victims of intimate partner violence also had the same level of experience, the same level of trauma. 
So I wanted to kind of think a little bit about like, um, like military, like navigation of communication, like essential, like SOS, I need help kind of thing. I wanted, I didn't want to ask it. I didn't want to like, but I wanted to make it apparent that I needed it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so it was a lot of this and, and kind of like a, a, a decoding kind of thing. I liked what you said, um, in <clears throat> the article that you sent me that's not posted yet or not published yet, but you talked about Morse code and um, it being an exchange with people in the position to understand, but many do not. Yeah. Because I don't, I wouldn't know what the Morse code was saying, but it's so like, that is the language of emergencies too. So I thought it was really interesting that you used it throughout the whole performance. Yeah. Yeah, I and Morse code is something I I tap into a bunch, like and and not like I I've done it in smaller pieces, um, too, um, because I just feel I I I really like the connection between why um why PTSD was established, who it was for initially, and how um, abuse victims are on that same level of you know post traumatic stress, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's important. I think for people to also recognize, because I think we often will recognize that, um, you know, obviously victims of war, victims of natural disasters, like we need to freaking help them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we see calls out for that all the time to support, you know, people that are impacted by this. But again, as we loop back to what I experienced and what many other women experienced, it, I, you know, it was essentially like, shut up, you know, it, this is this, you know, this is all a figment of your imagination. There's no possible way this could be happening. So it's just like really freaking messed up, you know, that, uh, that again, like women are kind of left to contend with it on their own. Whereas these other, you know, uh, groups of people, you know, tend to have, tend to be recognized that they've experienced a huge level of trauma that need that support. And I'm mm -hmm. saying that we all need that support. With the piece, uh, how did you send out the, like, hey, I need a whole bunch of squares from people that sew? Yeah, honestly, social media. I, oh, I really? Instagram and Facebook. And it was like crazy. Like, and then people were like sharing it, like all over the place. And I just started to like, like get them in the mail, you know, like it was kind of amazing. And mm -hmm. like, and I would get these like really beautiful notes with them and everything. Like, I, I, I know that I didn't ask for any permission to share any of that stuff, but I really one day want to, because I had some really beautiful um, notes and cards and excuse me, sorry, notes and cards and like stories that people were sharing. Some people were dedicating the squares to other people, you know, that mm. they had you know, known and experienced the same thing. It was, it was, and on the flip side though, then taking on that responsibility to represent that energy, you know, it's yeah. like, oh God, like, oh God, don't mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So then they did know uh, when they were sending it in, that they did know what the performance was and what it was all about. That's really, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. 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 I sometimes wonder what they think of what it like it looked like and stuff, mm -hmm. but, um, and people are really great and, you know, have been really sweet. 
Um, but you know, like I had, I had several people who knew what I do and, you know, and are new to expect what I do kind of thing, but I had several people who didn't know me who I wasn't sure what they were going to think. And they, people were really supportive, which is especially great. with older women who sew, who yeah. don't go to live performances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so crazy. So like, while I was out there, cause I did day one and day two at Hudson river greenway. And, um, like the first day people were like, is she okay? Like it was, <laughs> you know, like some people were like, God, you know, whereas like other people would literally like walk over me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really weird. But the second day, cause the second day, um, was meant to be a little bit more in my own body, like retaking my own body, taking up space, so the, the thing that I was dragging around entangled in the first day was now like spread. It was like spread all over the place. You couldn't walk over me at this point. So I was trying to be something that I'm like, I'm going to make myself visible. You're going to recognize that this has happened. And for me in my body, I was feeling a little bit more of the burden of the, the weight of it, you know, and I allowed myself to kind of feel it rather than just like negotiate around it. Mm-hmm. But during that second day, as I was taking up space, um, a lot more people like kind of stopped though and sat with me a little bit, but like there was these old ladies who were like taking selfies and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I, you know, like, of course I couldn't see anything. So I saw it later in the like documentation. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like some of them, it was so funny. And then like this one lady, like she was so cute in her like big glasses and a little, little hat and leopard print vest, you know, like she was so cute. And um, she like left and my, uh, my partner was with me to kind of like help. So, and I had made these cards so that people like understood what the heck I'm doing. Um, and he had given her this card and she walked away and she came back and she talked to him for a while and was like, oh, wow. I, you know, like, I really hope she's okay, but can I take a picture with her now? Yeah. <laughs> so you see her doing that. It was just so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how she asked permission. <laughs> so- I know, I know. <laughs> did you have a lot of people that just kind of ignored because yeah. oh, I see that a tons when pe- people do art performances out in public where almost people want to avoid like yeah. oh I don't know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> oh my god totally yeah like so how people are like this is just like too weird for me and I it's too much for me to like just deal with like I don't need her nonsense in my own nonsense you know like mm-hmm. uh yeah there was definitely that um and, uh, or, you know, like you, I would see in some of the videos how people would be walking up and then they're like, oh God, you know, like, like going to like the other side of the, the walkway just to kind of walk or, or they like are looking back like, oh God, that's so bizarre, you know, like, uh, and I, but I, that's, I do like, and sometimes prefer like an intervention sort of situation as opposed to a stage situation, because, mm-hmm. um, especially with what I'm, what I'm you know, talking about, like, it's ever present, it's always there. And it's um, often when you least expect it when you are, you know, contending with like, you know, flare ups and things like that, you know, so um, I'm okay with like, kind of hitting people when they're when they least expect it, because all of this came to me when I least expected it as well. Um, So I I like an intervention situation, I think that um, really does say a lot about the piece and and what I'm getting at did you have anything um that happened that was like completely out of left field where it was like you had to deal with the situation there no did the performance go 
mainly as planned? Uh, you know, I, I don't think, no, I don't think I really did. Like it, it was, it kind of did go as planned. I mean, of course, like you get like the goofy comments and stuff, but I always get those, you know, mm -hmm. and typically I get a lot of people who were like, are you okay? Kind of thing. Um, and, but like, I mean, the one funny thing, which is not part of the performance at all, but I, you know, like we were in New York and I, you know, I was staying close by, you know, to where I was performing. And, um, so I didn't go, I didn't walk there in the garment, like we brought it there and then I set up and stuff like that. But as I was walking there, cause I was all whited out and everything, everything was white, 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 you know, trying to kind of really make a big point to that big red mark I was going to have on my head. So like I was whited out, but like this woman stops me as we're walking down there. And she's just like, she, it was like, she's been looking all day for a mime. She goes, are you mine? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I, I was so like, what? And my boyfriend was just like, no, 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 she's not a mime. Because <laughs> I forgot I looked like this, you know? <laughs> but it was, she was a kind one. <laughs> Give you her business card. Are you a mime? I know, right? <laughs> my grandson is getting, <laughs> having his birthday know, today. <laughs> she's like i'll pay you so much money i'm gonna like okay i'll, I'll be a mime <laughs> see our performance and moving on i shot that opportunity right right in the foot <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Just switch. It'd be even more funny if you just took the same performance and did it at his birthday party. <laughs> oh know, my right? gosh. <laughs> oh my God. This is the weirdest mime ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so the, uh, I don't think we've touched on the third day of the performance, but it was in, in a different location. Yeah. So I, I moved up, um, from the greenway and I was moving up 14th street to, um, the high line. Um, so it's just a few blocks. I wasn't that far, but I spent, and I did, I chose to do it like pretty early in the day because I wanted it to be, um, a little, I, I wanted to move very slow. Um, I was now holding the whole, all the garment, like the, all of the tethers and things like that, which became super heavy, um, and I, um, and that was also to kind of make the point of the weight of all of this, the weight of now, like 20 some years later of still it being very present in my life. Um, and the, I still was, you know, coding at that point, but it was no longer up here. I couldn't really reach to do up there. I was doing it like in between my fingers at that point. So the red, kind of moved down to like, and I had like the first day, it was a little bit all over my body. The second day, it was mostly here. The third day, it was in between my fingers. Um, so the, th this was meant to be a day where um, I am kind of moving with my own burdens. I am kind of with a burden that will always be with me. And, um, and as much help as I have, and as much support as I have, um, no one's going to be able to take it away from me kind of thing. Um, so that's why I wanted to have a little bit more of like a movement to it at that, because this will be like an ever evolving and present thing as I live, live my life. So, yeah. 
Uh, how long did it take you to come up with the the concept and like how you're going to structure each day? Hmm. So, um, you know, like it's funny since I started like really that that performance was going to be like what I focused on in my practice. Um, the way I work became really different. Um, I whereas before I would do like a lot of studies and drawings and, you know, little things like that. And when I started um, kind of doing more performance, I started doing a lot more writing um, and writing, not necessarily for anyone to see, but more as a, a way of creating boundaries and a way of creating entry points that I felt were, um, that were safe for me, where I wouldn't be, you know, opening scabs all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I spent a lot of time like writing, writing, writing about what I would want to do. Um, and also like, again, the researching, cause researching, like, I actually didn't know that much about sewing circles. Um, so I wanted to kind of like contextualize like that sort of invisible domestic labor kind of thing that, you know, something that women do all of the time for several, you know, hundreds of years, you know, this thing that they just do. Um, so looking into that was also really interesting for me. So I was kind of like, I had an idea. I wanted to kind of see like, like I, I wanted to kind of place it with historic accuracy, you know, and, and reference points. Um, then I go back and I write again for myself, you know, it, as far as like, okay, if I use it, you know, like, like if I use it this way, how would I use it this way? Does that still fit into the authentic experience? Does it still fit in the historic references? And so it's a lot of like back and forth. So it's like reading, research, some writing, reading, research, some writing, um, until I would finally kind of get something that worked for me. Um, I would have to say the days, the organization of days didn't actually happen till like later, like after I was actually even accepted into art nod places. So the pitch that I sent Jessica and, and team um, had like the umbrella concept and what I intended to do, but the organization of days were not really ironed out yet. And that didn't come until like, like later, um, as I, you know, so I, I constantly was, you know, reading and doing these like writing exercises for myself. Um, and that's kind of how that all, all evolved. Do you ever do anything? Cause you talked about, it's kind of more for you, but do you ever put them up, uh, your writings? Well, like it's so funny. Um, so like I was on a, a panel for, um, art, not places like the night, night before I, I performed, I think many, I think most of us didn't perform that day. I think it was anyway, you know, but, um, and it was funny because like, I was very nervous and, um, I don't know. I was just really nervous. Also, I, I would have to say in the past like year or two, um, I've had a lot of repressed memories of like bubble up, um, uh, which is also like traumatic and jarring. Um, so, I've, I've been doing an awful lot in looking into like why this is happening. Why is it coming up now? Um, and then think, and then also too, like talking, thinking a lot about memory and how, mem how, especially my memories are going to be flawed. Um, so I, what I, I wrote something, um, because like they, the prompt that they gave us for the panel discussion was that they wanted to know how we got to this place. Like the, the theme of this year was story. Um, so they're like, what's your story? how did you get to making this thing, you know? 
Uh, so I wrote like a short story. I was like kind of the only one to do it. Cause I was I, like, again, I was nervous and I was a little worried about mem my memory and stuff. Um, and also like feeling crappy. Um, I ended up having COVID. I didn't even know it while I was oh, there. Oh no. I couldn't oh. believe it. I, so like I was supposed to perform more than I did, but I only went out as much as I could, you know, I couldn't believe it. Cause I was like, God, I feel really shitty. You know? And then later I found out it was COVID. Um, so go me, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so I, what I read that night was, uh, a, like a little story, uh, about learning to drive stick shift, which mm -hmm. I did with, with that guy I was dating at that time. Um, and it became a story about the control he had in our relationship because I bought this car, but I couldn't drive it and he drove it and would mm -hmm. use it as like this way of controlling our situations and controlling me. Um, and I had a lot of like, you know, like we would have these huge fights and I would be stranded in places, you know, where I, I, I couldn't drive home, you know, until one day I was like, I'm going to fucking drive this thing, you know? Um, so it was talking, so it, this is all in the midst of that relationship. It's like the, that sort of like weird push and pull of what that is. Like the fact that I did get to a point where I actually took the risk and I drove it and I did it. But then I still was in the relationship and there were, I slipped back, back again. So it wasn't like, like driving, it wasn't the end. It was just part of the story, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, and I read it that night and, um, you know, and it was, I was really nervous kind of about it, but it now has like sparked this whole other thing. Like I was just saying earlier that I'm going to take my first writing class. Uh, so I can maybe develop that a little bit more. Cause I, um, have discovered how much I like to write and how, mm -hmm. uh, it could end up being this other piece to like what I do and, or at least how I build what I do. I yeah, think as can... an artist, uh, being able to write about your own work is like a super talent skill that will just help people understand more about what you're doing. Because most artists hate writing about their own work. Right, right. Uh, so if you can and do it well, it's going to just be <laughs> so, so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of excited, you know, like I'm nervous, but I'm also excited. You know, I, I do really like it. It, it is like, a different fulfillment than say the performances are. Um, but I think, I don't think it will ever replace the performances, you know, mm -hmm. cause I do really love making them and, and, you know, doing that stuff. But, um, but I feel like it's going to be another piece because it's like, since I stopped like really focusing on making things and making, you know, drawings and stuff like that, like I still do it, but I don't do it with the same intensity that I was. Um, and now, you know, like I don't have the same like consistent outlet, you know, like I'm not outperforming every day, you know, especially mm -hmm. in my weird town I live in, you know, like um, I performed here once and it did not go well. And it was, <laughs> they were just, it was just weird. It was just, they was not taken well, I guess. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. um, they I, sent you a letter and said, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I did a piece, it was called, uh, the weight of my burdens or something where I dragged my body weight in manure. And I did this in a few places. Um, but one of them I did here on my campus, um, for, a, an art and activism conference that our women in gender studies, um, you know, uh, program was offering. And I, and I had said, I was like, you know, I'd be happy to do a performance for this because, 
that's literally what I do, you know? And they were like, oh, this would be so exciting. Um, so I did it and I, I let, like, I had some students with me and I let them sort of decide where I was going to go. Um, and they decided I was going to drag it through the sub. So I had this, and my bag was tearing apart and all this. (laughs) (laughs) I had somebody come up to me afterwards, red faced, screaming at me, like, what do you think you are doing? You know, why do you think this is a good idea? You know, like, like what, you know, just really angry, even though I had the, I had the permission to perform the piece. They knew what was going to happen. They lost lost their minds like so I'm a little shy about doing it here in this sleepy looks bear <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed they didn't write you a letter that said like we're not looking for mimes here <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Just didn't even understand. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh it's so good <laughs> Well, we uh, sadly, we're almost at the time where we need to let you go because we could definitely talk to you forever. Um, And I apologize to all the listeners that we didn't do this earlier, but if they're trying to find you, where would they, where's the best place to go? Totally. So I have a website um, that's at heathersingcabbage.com. But I'm definitely on like social and I use probably Instagram the most. Um, that handle is hsincabbage. Um, I am on TikTok, but I don't use it that much. I'm still like kind of getting adjusted, you know, because mm-hmm. um, and I'm on Facebook too. But again, like I kind of do everything out of Instagram. Um, so that's probably the best place to find me on social. Okay, perfect. Do you have any um, performances coming up on on the agenda or? Hmm, no, I don't. Um, I'm working on a few things because um, I, I have, uh, I'm working on something for um, a, a little festival in Colorado. Um, so we'll see what happens, but uh, I don't have like many details for it yet, but follow me on social, then then, then you'll know. <laughs> then you'll know. And you're taking a writing class. You're going to put together a book. So then when you go do your performances you can have a little stand where they can ha- buy all oh your merchandise God. merch mm-hmm. table <laughs> yeah, merch table amazing uh samuel do you have any plugs this week i have no plugs this week that's it <laughs> no <laughs> i got well, a new uh computer setup that I am not a fan of yet because it looks like my eyes are all crazy. <laughs> I look a little nuts. Yeah, and I've uh, found my missing cord to my Yeti. So our sound from the last couple podcasts have been <laughs> terrible, but this this podcast will be really good. It'll sound good. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, as always, guys, you can find us um, at Miss Art World dot com we have our instagram um and then anywhere you listen to your podcasts you'll be able to find this episode and many more so um thank you again heather we really appreciate your time uh super interesting and make sure you guys go check her stuff out thank you guys bye art world bye